Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Dr. Sean Watley is with us, a senior fellow at the McDonald laurie Institute, and he has an op-ed at MLI. I think it's... I'm not sure what the... I'm not sure what the website is. Sean, what's the website? It's uh, McDonaldLaurieInstitute.ca, uh, um, I believe, but I apologize if I got that wrong. Too. <laughs> Neither one of us is doing that. Okay. I'm supposed <laughs> Don't tell to... the executive director. I'll be in trouble. <laughs> I'm supposed to know this stuff. Okay, so it's critically important healthcare. We've spoken over the last couple of weeks twice with the president of the Canadian Medical Association, spoken twice with the head of the nurses' union nationally, and they've painted a picture of great concern as far as the availability of healthcare is concerned, the quality of healthcare, and what we need to do. In your op-ed, your op-ed with MLI states, um, the headline is, The Case for User Fees in Canada, Equity and Deficiency Versus Overconsumption and Waste. I wonder how many people remember that there were user fees, which you point out, until the mid-80s, and you write that abandoning user fees has caused overconsumption and rationing of the amount of and quality of health care Canadians receive. Please detail that for us. So uh, most Canadians look at Medicare, so the collection of laws that give us you know, free care, at least what feels like free care in the clinic, uh, most Canadians value that highly. So healthcare is a shared resource. It's a shared common good. And what that means is we all can access that equally. But if I use too much of it, there's less of it there for you to uh, use yourself. And so that's what we're finding right now is we're coming out of the pandemic. We've got this huge backlog and a great gigantic demand for care and services on a limited resource. And right now we have no way to limit overconsumption, so low-value services, and we don't have any way to directly address equity, and specifically horizontal equity, and I can unpack that for you. So user fees would be a very small step towards doing our collective effort of protecting this common good that we all need to rely on. So uh, this, this brings us then to the word overconsumption as far as health care is concerned, because there are no user fees, no sense of that you have to pay for anything, even though you do through your taxes. Uh, but there's, it's just there, so I'll, if I have a sniffle, I'm going to take advantage of it. That's oversimplification, I'm sure. But so how would it work if we were to reintroduce user fees in some way? You know better than I what the argument's going to be. Aha, the privileged are going to do better, and those who have little will do worse. Yeah, so it's really important that we have this up front, and I'm really glad that you asked this as the first question. All the user fee programs or the cost-sharing programs that are used around the world, and to be clear, there are 28 universal care um, uh, systems around the world. 22 out of those 28 use some form of cost-sharing. And every single place that uses cost-sharing has a robust list of exclusions. So the poor, the sick, the old, the very young, they don't pay the same user fees. Generally, they're exempted completely. And furthermore, the research suggests that small fees work as well as, if not even better than larger fees. So small, simple, at the point of care with a total, uh, with a cap on what you have to pay. So for example, 10, 20, $30 in Sweden right now, it's $30 for a visit to the family doc, $30 for uh, a copay for 
um, uh, prescription, and it's capped at $300 a year. Now, that's slightly out of date. Those numbers maybe have changed as of 2022, but that's the last data I have. So small and simple, we have to exclude the people at the margins, so the very, very poor, old, those with chronic illness. But for everybody else in the middle, it seems to do a great job of directing funds towards people who really need care the most. Hmm. So what happens to that money? Generally speaking, now this you're asking about implementation, so that generally will go into, um, so if you're at a clinic and you, and you go to the clinic and you pay the $20, it'll go directly to the clinic itself. Now, you're asking another great question. If it just goes into an amorphous uh, black hole called general taxation or the, the people in the clinic never even see that, doesn't change what their own behavior, then it has a smaller impact. Ideally, um, uh, you're my doctor, Roy. I walk up to you and, and, and I, or to your front office staff, I pay them the $20. So I see exactly where that's going and it in a tiny way, hopefully, influences the behavior of the clinic staff because now they're motivated to actually provide a teensy bit better service for me. But most importantly, most importantly, it makes me, as a patient, say, do I really want to go see my family doctor for the same problem I've seen him for three times? You know, I've got sore knees. He told me to go get physiotherapy. We did x-rays. I I haven't lost my weight yet. I haven't seen the physiotherapist. Do I really want to pay 20 bucks to go see him and have him tell me all the same things he just told me last month? Mm -hmm. Um, One of the most fundamental issues and problems that we have in this country is a shortage of doctors and particularly primary care physicians. We have more than 5 million people in Canada who don't have a family doctor. How do we deal with that? Because these, these patients... They have two choices now, essentially, a walk-in clinic or an emergency department if they don't have a family doc. How, how, I mean, does user fees, would it in any way benefit them, or are we talking about something totally different? So, again, you're asking fantastic questions. So we can talk about the steering effect of user fees. So ideally, um, you know, let's say we have a $50 fee to go to Emerge and a $10 fee to go to see your family doctor. But to your point, if there are no family doctors or if the wait time to see your family doctors is two two weeks or a month, you're going to pay the $50 just to go and, and get an answer because you can't wait for four weeks on something that you think is important. Mm-hmm. So the steering effect of a fee may do nothing if your wait times are already gigantic. So we have to be careful in thinking that a user fee is going to suddenly make everything perfect. It won't, but it is a small step in the right direction towards decreasing overconsumption and improving equity. And equity, I'm talking about two people at the same income level. So two people earning $75,000 a year or whatever middle class is right now, 50000 a year, and, and they both have similar health, but one person really tries to protect this shared resource that we call Medicare. And the other person goes every two months um, for the same problem over and over, demands to see multiple specialists, have repeat CT scans. Why should each person pay exactly the same health insurance premiums through their taxes? It doesn't make sense. It's not fair. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. What what you were talking, I thought, every time I talk about health care, whether it's with a physician or someone who's health industry-related, we talk about uh, blowing up the current system and coming up with a new one that's going to work better. And ultimately, that may prove to be necessary. But one of the things that we don't, what we often don't talk about is taking these incremental steps, 
which might, at least in the short term, provide some relief to the stress and the pressure the current system is under, and perhaps user fees is going to uh, be the answer. I know, though, Sean, I'll be getting uh, emails from listeners saying uh, the wealthy will do better, the poor will not do as well. It's just, it's, it's just people, people are polarized on, on yeah. health care. So let me just, in the minute and a half we have left, ask you to revisit with us, please, your book, When Politics Comes Before Patients, Why and How Canadian Medicare is Failing. Politics and healthcare should not be in the same room. Absolutely. So you want to go and see your family doc or your or your emergency physician or your public health nurse or whoever you're going to see for care. You want to know that the only thing on their mind is how to get you the best care possible. You don't want them thinking about the latest political campaign. You don't definitely don't want a prime minister stepping up to the podium and promising X, Y, and Z kind of care. I'll give you even a more concrete example. A few years ago in, in Manitoba, the provincial election centered on the quality of toast, as in cooked bread, toast, served in hospitals. So that's a governance, major governance problem. You, you can't run an organization like that. And that's putting politics before patients, in this case, politics before the quality of toast, which is even more ridiculous. But what we're looking at is not, we're not focusing on this shared resource as something for care. We're looking at at it as something, as a vehicle to redistribute funds from the wealthy to the poor, or redistribute funds from large provinces to small provinces, or setting national standards, or all sorts of other goals. I'm suggesting we need to take a pause and really focus back on the patient. How can we help patients? So since you brought up toast, (laughs) I have to ask this. Do healthcare providers have the appetite to make the changes you're suggesting? So the system we have is a reflection of the the secondary gain that everybody gets, right? The reason we can't get changes is because everybody benefits from it being the way it is. You said earlier about blowing it up. I don't think we can blow something up completely. Furthermore, the way Canada is constituted, our right from our constitution, we will always have something like Medicare. So I think the sooner we all get on board with figuring out a way to do the best with what we've got and allow small incremental changes to experiment with different things that work around the world, I think we'll find the sky does not fall and people get better care. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.